This morning, though, we're concluding, I guess, what's been a mini-series inside of a bigger series. We're obviously going through the entire Gospel of Matthew. I'm not going to tell you how long that's going to be, because you might think it's too long. <laughs> um, but uh, we've done this mini-series within that, which is where we focused on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's just incredible. And um, there's, there's still a bit of a ring there. Is it still there? Okay. Um, and uh, Jesus has been teaching this huge crowd and uh, his disciples and, and teaching you and me today. And there are people listening to him and, and soaking in what he's saying and astonished at what he's saying. And one thing that's clear from Jesus' teachings is that he doesn't teach based on popular opinion. <laughs> uh, he doesn't just listen to what the Pharisees or the scribes are teaching and, and kind of lining up with them and teaching that. He doesn't go and seek um, authority from you know, the government power of, of the Romans and, and ask permission to speak or approval. Um, he just speaks truth <laughs> clearly, plainly, and directly. And, and, in, and in concluding um, his, his sermon... I guess um, our, our, our exploration of the Sermon on the Mount, we realize that Jesus is, is finishing and concluding with these warnings. And uh, they're so great. Like, um, we're just going to kind of use all four of them. We're going to cover quite a lot of Scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open it to Matthew 7. We're going to go right from verse 13 uh, to 29. Uh, but let me just pray real quick. Uh, so, Father... Thank you so much for this morning. What a joy it is, Lord, to come together as family and to worship you. And Lord God, um, I don't know where everybody is this morning. There's a lot of people not here, but Lord, we pray you'd bless our family. Lord, would they have a great morning um, wherever they are around the country or around the world. Uh, but Lord, as one body, we want to declare that you are King Jesus. And Lord, that, no, we can't declare that, declare that any more than giving you our hearts afresh this morning. And I pray that that would be true this morning of us as a church, that we would just bring our hearts afresh and we would lay them down before you and say, Lord, just mold me this morning. Change me by the power of your Holy Spirit that I might look more like you when I leave. And Lord, we thank you for the cold weather returning soon. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. All right. Thank you for all agreeing with me on that. That's great. <clears throat> okay, Matthew 7, 13 to 29. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, for many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, 
Did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many, many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it, it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he's concluding his sermon, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So this is a lot of scripture. Um, and what we're going to do this morning, fortunately, Jesus has laid this out in a beautiful pattern that we're just going to follow and splits it into four sections for us. And we're going to follow those four sections. And it's just fantastic um, because Jesus is teaching here in line with, with how the Bible teaches uh, throughout Scripture. We see God consistently give his children uh, choice and uh, this is what we see. God consistently gives people, his people warnings of, of what is bad and what is a bad idea and what is a good idea. And this language is, is two ways, two ways theology, it's two ways uh, choice. It's common in Jewish uh, literature, both in uh, canonical, which is kind of the law, and extra canonical, which is writings that are widely accepted, but they're not part of uh, Hebrew scriptures, we see this pattern used again and again, this two ways teaching. Uh, some examples of that, Jeremiah 21, um, verse 8, it says, furthermore, oh sorry, that's, yeah, furthermore, next one up, we've skipped one, go back one, oh it's okay, we'll use that one for now. Uh, this day, <laughs> oh, <you've... laughs> come on Oscar, you're playing with me. Uh, furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says, see, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. There's two choices. You can choose one or the other. The second one, Deuteronomy is an example. I could have chosen many, many scriptures. Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the, uh, and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that your children may live. And throughout the Bible, what we see again and again is this pattern of choice. There's two ways of you can choose this way, which is a really good idea and will bring you life, or you can choose this way, but these are the perils and the consequences of your, action, of your choices that you're making. So throughout the Bible, we see that. So it's no surprise that Jesus, in concluding his, his sermon, is concluding his teaching, that he gives people this choice. He gives them four choices, actually. So we're going to go through them. First one is two gates. He talks about two gates that you can choose. Second one is two trees and the fruit of those trees. The third one is two responses to what you are hearing. And the fourth one is two foundations in which you can build on. So let's start off with the two gates. Jesus sets out this picture. There are two gates. Over here, there is the gate that is narrow and few 
enter it. And then there is this huge, wide gate with a huge, wide road that leads to it. And um, in doing so, in teaching this, I think Jesus is teaching into a couple of things that I just want to highlight this morning that are really important for us to be solid on. Like, we know this to be true. And I guess the first thing would be to completely and utterly dismiss what's called pluralism. It's, it's this idea that there, there, there are many ways to God. Like, that, that, that we just have to find the one that, you know, which one do you identify with? Which one suits your lifestyle best? Which one suits your personality? And it's this idea that, you know, if you're a Christian, you follow the Christian path. If, if you're a Buddhist, you follow the Buddhist way. If you're a Muslim, you, you stay faithful to Islam. Then, then everyone at the end of the day is going to end up going, you know, being with God, being with Him in all of eternity. And, uh, you know, that, well, you know, and I've, I've even heard Christians kind of talk about this and be unsure about it. Like, well, you know, they pray, we pray, they do good things, we do good things. Isn't it kind, just a rebranding? Well, no, Jesus is very clear. No, it's absolutely not true. There is only one path. There is only one gate to, to the Father. And First Timothy 2.5 tells us that there is one God, and there is one mediator, one person between us and God, between God and, and, and men, and it is the man, Christ Jesus. There is only one person. And Jesus said himself in John 4, 14, 6, he says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We need to be clear that there is only one way to eternal life, there is only one gate, and it is narrow. And the person who gives us access to the Father for eternity is Jesus and Jesus alone. So it is narrow, and Jesus teaches uh, that the, the other road, it leads to destruction. And I guess, why is it that he, you know, he says, but many choose that road? Many choose the road that leads to destruction, and, and, and why is that? I've been kind of wrestling with this scripture this week. It's, not been, it's been a slow writing week, hasn't it, Jenny? <laughs> um, but I've been kind of wrestling with this, and why do people choose the wider path so often? I think it's easier. It, it's just so much easier. And, you, you know, we read through the scriptures, and I was just kind of read through some accounts in the gospel, and why is it that people constantly choose the wider path, even though Jesus says the narrow one is the one that leads to life? And we read Jesus' encounters with, like, the Pharisees. The Pharisees have this, this authority amongst the culture, and, and, and they fail to drop that and to follow Jesus. It's, it's like they've picked something up on earth that they want to keep hold of. I want to keep this sense of authority, of, of knowledge. I don't want to lose it. Or the Sadducees, who had this political pull, where they could pull the strings politically within, uh, within Israel. And they didn't want to lose that. And, and both the Pharisees and the Sadducees would be instrumental in killing Jesus. Think about the rich young man who, who, who comes to Jesus and he says, hey, like, I, I, I've kept all the law. Like, what else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What else do I need to do to get through the gate? And Jesus says, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And follow me. And, and the way I picture it is almost like there's this narrow gate 
in which Jesus says, hey, this is the one for eternal life. This is the one that you're supposed to walk through. You, you're supposed to choose this one. And I, and I want you to, the way I picture it is like almost like, imagine yourself, you, you, you're going out on a journey, and you have a big hiker's backpack on you, and inside the backpack, you've got everything that you've ever acquired on this earth. You know, all of your finances in there. Maybe you've been fortunate enough to buy a house and you've got a house in there. You, you've got, you know, your ices and your, uh, all the things that money can buy. You've got your iPad in there. You've got your, your, I don't know, your games console or whatever you love. And it's all in the backpack, right? And then in this hand, you've got a suitcase and it's one of those old ones you have to kind of lug around with you and do your back. And, um, and, and in there you've got uh, you, your pride and your self-worth and your value and, um, and your career and your GCSE certificates, those who have them, well done, and your degrees and your knowledge is all in here. And in this one, you've got your career and, and um, you know, everything that you've worked hard for, is all, they're all in, these, in this luggage. And you come to this gate, and Jesus says, it's narrow. And you look at the gate, and you think, I can't get through carrying this stuff. And, and the backpack's too big, and like, I can get through that, but I'm going to have to leave this stuff this side of the gate. And everything I've worked for, like everything I'm passionate about, my hobbies are all in here, my, my, you know, my, 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 you know, my, my personal best running records and all these sorts of things. And I'm going to have to leave them, take them all off and leave them here. And when I get through the gate, what will I have? You'll have Jesus. You'll have eternal life, the promise of eternal life. And you look at it and you think, well, that, that one looks incredibly bumpy. and looks hard going, to be honest. This one this one looks like smooth, it looks wide, it's easy, I can take all my stuff with me. Like, I, I don't have to put anything down, I can just do what I want to, I carry what I want to carry, I take what I want to take. And, and I can follow this road, here, I can go through this gate. Everybody else is going through it, the majority of the crowd, they look fine. And Jesus says, no, no, like, this, this is the gate. It's narrow, and few people will choose it. He said, this is the one. That one's going to bring you to destruction. This one is going to bring you to life. I guess my first challenge to me, to you, this morning is, are you willing to drop the cases? Are you willing to drop the bag? Are you willing to trust that Jesus is all that you need? And maybe just for a while it's been like, oh, I really want to go through this gate, but, and you've just kind of been stood there. Like, have you ever seen like a child walk into a toy shop with like 10 pounds? And then like, choose one thing. <laughs> it's like, like the, I can't decide, you know, it's too hard. If I get that, I can't get that, get that, I can't get that. And it's almost like you're stood at the gate and you're like, oh, I just can't decide. It's too hard to drop this stuff. It's too hard to take it off. But I know it can't come in with me. And Jesus says, drop it. Enter the narrow gate. Don't choose this one. Don't go with the crowd. Don't go where everybody else is, the easy road. Take this one. So clearly Jesus is the only way to the Father. There's no other way except through him. But the gate is narrow. And we need to remind ourselves of that truth. And we need to declare that truth. 
as, as, as his church, we need to say, hey, Jesus is the only way. The next choice that Jesus gives is these two trees. And uh, two trees, and they both produce uh, fruit, one bad fruit, one good fruit. And Jesus says, it's a choice of who you choose to listen to and who you choose to, to teach you in your life. Um, and who do you te- te- teach in from? Now, okay, you might not know about how I kind of figure this stuff out, but what I do is I write down word for word what I'm going to say. And generally, I stick to it because it keeps me within time. And this is one of those subjects where it's a good idea to write down exactly what I'm going to say and try and stick to that because I don't think anything is too offensive in here. Um, And it's one of those subjects because there's so much to be said about this. And man, we're steeped in it. Like our culture today, like the gates are open and people can just teach what they like. And, um, you know, this week, I don't know if you're anything like me, but... um, uh, I got stuck in the YouTube al- algorithm, and uh, and Jenny walks in sometimes and just says, "What are you watching?" And some days it will be like you know guys transforming a transit van into a camper van, or other days it will be you know someone fishing in Alaska or something. <laughs> um, none of that I have any interest in really, but I just get stuck in the algorithm. This week, a video came on. It was a one-minute video. Man, what is it? was it a good video? So good, so convincing, so slick, so brilliant. And it was a guy for one minute, just a one-minute slick video, not going to take up too much of your time, teaching about the story of David and Goliath. And he's teaching, and he's, wow, he's suave, he's, he's attractive, he's, you know, he's, he's got a, like a really good charisma to him. The only issue was everything he said was absolutely false and not biblical. Not only that, because I've taught on David and Goliath many a times and read many commentaries around it, around it, I know that everything that he said is way out of line with everything every other biblical scholar has ever written about it. It was just his own opinion. But man, was the video convincing. It was so, such a good video. And over 10,000 people I'd watched it. I was like, I'm not letting him get away with this. I looked him up. Who is he? Who is this guy? And it turns out he's not even, he's not affiliated with a church. He has his own ministry, you know, like teaching on YouTube. He's a YouTube minister. And everything he taught was false. And, and, and the reality is, is that this is just out there. I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had with people like just one-on-one. And they come to me with like a concern, like, Mike, I need to talk to you about a theological theological problem in our church. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, dear. Like, am I going to lose my job? What's, what's, what's happened? What did I say? Oh, well, what's your stance on, on uh, New Israel theology? And I'm like, I have no idea. I didn't know there was a stance on New Israel theology. <laughs> well, I've been watching this guy on YouTube, and he says that, you know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, just hold on a minute. <laughs> We've never spoken about that. It's never even been a subject in our church. The reality is, is that there are multiple pastors now in every church, multiple teachers, and some of them aren't even stamped by the church to say, hey, this is a good teacher. And we just allow ourselves to soak in. If we're not careful, we're so lured by the lights and the sounds and the great music and the great video production that we get drawn in, the charisma, the, the attraction of it all. But Jesus says, hey, be alert. Like, Warning, (laughs) warning. These people, he says, these false teachers, 
They come to you and they look as soft as sheep. They're just so fluffy and lovely. On the outside, they, they're approachable, thoughtful, interesting, charming, charismatic, attractive. They have their own YouTube channel with thousands of people watching it. They have so many Instagram followers. Like, they, they are attractive. And, he, and, and Jesus says, hey, but they are wolves. And they're, and they're ready to pounce. And they will get from you what they can get from you. They will eat till they're full. And then they will send you off on the wrong path. And, and Jesus says, you need to guard yourself against these people. And how do you do that? Well, the first thing is, Jesus tells us right away, you are to look at their fruit. You are to look at what is behind them in their wake. What do they leave in the trail behind them? And do they leave people disillusioned, disappointed, disgusted, disorientated, walking down the wrong path? Or do they bring the kingdom do they bring the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Do they show that every day? Is it low-hanging fruit so you can see it and, and taste it and know that they are following Jesus? And he's saying like, hey, like the batteries, a good clue, the batteries won't produce, won't produce good fruits. They just can't do it. It's impossible for them because they are driven by self, self-motivated, self-centered. They will eat you alive and they will send you on your way and he said but the good trees you can trust them you can trust their teaching when they're producing good fruit do they teach as Jesus taught you see Jesus he taught self-denial deny yourself don't worry about your own needs don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about how you look. Don't worry about what, what food you're going to have because the Father, he will take care of you. They teach, you look good, you feel good. You want to feel good, you need to look good. Go on, go on, go on, treat yourself to a shopping spree. Jesus wants you to have the desires of your heart. You name it and claim it in the name of Jesus. Go for it. That's what they teach. Jesus teaches about the warnings uh, Jesus teaches a warning against materialism. Don't store up for yourself here treasures on earth. Don't worry about that. Instead, look towards heaven and your heavenly reward. You've got pastors like Joel Olstein. I'm going to name him. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Writing books like your best life now. You can have everything you want on this earth. You can have it now. And, and God wants you to have your best life right now. You just need to unlock it, and he will give you all the desires that you so wish. Jesus taught there is only one way to God. And then you've got church leaders like Rob Bell, who wrote a book called Love Wins, where he says that God loves everybody, so in the end, everybody's going to go to heaven anyway. <laughs> it's not what Jesus teaches. He teaches that the gate is narrow, and there's only one way to the Father. Jesus teaches be humble. Depend on God for all that you need. And this, this teaching, it teaches that you can have whatever you want. You can accomplish it. You just need to want it enough. You need to claim it in faith. Because God wants you to have the best career. God wants you to have the best job. God wants you to have the promotion. You just need to claim it in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. Paul teaches about these, these men women. He says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, 
disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Exactly what Jesus is going to, we're going to jump into what Jesus is teaching. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Is there fruit behind them? Or do you see them getting on private jets? Self-serving. I'm not here to batter people. I'm not God. My job isn't to judge. But Jesus says you need to be careful of false teaching because so many people will end up going down this road here. The one that leads to destruction. And he's saying the gate is narrow. The gate is narrow. And we must be willing to squeeze through it and leave everything behind. And I think the second important thing is, so we look at the fruit, and I think the second important thing is, is that we read the Word of God. We must be a people who steep ourselves in God's Word. Not just depend, don't just depend on me or whoever's up here teaching to teach the Word of God, but actually to steep ourselves in it. There's this great illustration. I heard it from this guy here. I'm stealing it. Um, from Phil. And there's, uh, the, you remember the old bank tellers? This is when we used to use cash. Do you remember cash? Anybody remember cash? And, um, and you go into a bank, and did you remember, I don't know if anybody remembers this, and you see them counting. They weren't even, they weren't even looking. They were just talking to the woman next to them, and they were just counting money, you know, just with, a, just with the fingers, just counting away, and they could just do it, count and chat at the same time. And, um, and, and these bank tellers, they used to handle so much money, so many notes, and they used to count all day, count these notes. And, and, the, and the amazing thing about these old bank tellers, before we had these machines that counted, was that they, they would count, and as they would count along, they would stop. There's a fake note in here. I, felt, I can feel it. It doesn't feel right. It's not, it's not quite right, that one. I know what the real thing feels like, because I've, I've felt it so many times. I, I, I'm knowledgeable about the real thing because I handle it all day, every day. And as soon as there's a fake one, it's not right, it doesn't smell right, doesn't feel right, doesn't look right. They know because they know what the genuine thing is. And you see, as a church, we want to be a church, don't we? That is steeped in the Word of God. Like, we, we just know what the Word of God says. Oh, hold on, that's not quite right. And I know that because I'm steeped in the Word of God. As soon as something's not right or out of line with what Scripture teaches, doesn't quite smell like the Gospel, then we know, we identify. We just need to be a people that steep ourselves in the Word of God, that look for fruit, that look for the fruits of the Spirit. Thirdly, I'm going to try and hurry up a bit here. I'm going a bit slow. Uh, thirdly, uh, two responses that Jesus gives. And a third and final point before Jesus calls people to respond <clears throat> is that he moves from unsound teachers, which is in uh, verses 15 to 20, and he goes into unsound hearers in 21 to 23. And I, and I think, for me, I don't know what you think, but I think this is one of the most chilling passages in all of Scripture. <laughs> um, it, for me, every time I read it, I go, oh, like my heart just is so desperate to know Jesus more. And he says this, he says in 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And notice here, I want us to notice that Jesus is describing gifts of the Spirit, not fruit of the Spirit. He's not completely going back on what he's just said. He doesn't describe fruits of the Spirit here, does he? People are performing these miracles. And, and I think that the reason this is so chilling is, is that Jesus, we know who he is. He's so caring, so accepting of me, even with all of my flaws, so gracious towards me, so loving towards me. And yet here he's, he's turning away people who haven't shown fruit from their salvation. But what Jesus is getting at here is merely being a people, merely being a, 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 a person who has a profession of faith without lips, but actually in reality, in the day-to-day of our lives, nothing's changed. It lacks complete substance. Some people, you know, they might be able to say what believers say. They might say amen at the right moments. They might be able to recite creeds or, you know, like, or, you know, do this before they walk on a football pitch, you know, like, they might be able to act the act, but Jesus says, like, hey, like, the reality is when it's fake, I know. I know. In James 2, 14 to 19, James calls, calls believers. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead. It's not real faith. But Jesus is getting at here. It's not real. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. James is saying, hey, like, if, if you're a believer, brilliant, show me. Live the life of a believer. Change your ways. Don't live anymore the way that you used to. Live the way that Jesus is calling you to. You believe that there is one God, good. That's what he says. Good, you believe there is one God. But he says even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough just to acknowledge that there's a God. Jesus says there needs to be a real, there needs to be a real shift in our hearts and our lives following him. You know, like I said, they might be able to do all the right things at the right times, but Jesus says it needs to be genuine. Just because you claim to know the king doesn't mean you're part of the kingdom. Now, let's be really clear. I want to be very, very clear. If you remember nothing else this morning, remember this. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. That's what we believe. And, and, but there is a biblical argument throughout the New Testament that when we're truly saved, when we truly meet the risen Christ, everything changes in our lives. We no longer live a life of lawlessness. We live out that righteousness that we've found in Christ. When, when there's a genuine thing that happens in our hearts, there's something genuine that comes out of us, and we can't hold it back anymore. We can't keep it hidden. We can't stay silent. 
We need to tell people the good news of Jesus. We, our whole life changes. And what Jesus is saying, and the, the most chilling words, are when it's a facade, see right through it. You might be in all the right places, all the right times, but if your heart's not there, I see it. I see it. And Jesus finishes this entire teaching with one last choice, with one last warning. And he gives us this choice of where we're going to build our lives. What's the foundation in which you, you are going to build on? What is the foundation? You know, uh, you don't have to be alive for very long to realize that life is, can be hard. <laughs> and um, it can be tough. And, and for some of you in the room, that's more real than others. You know, when Jesus talks about the storm coming and, and beating the house and the wind crashing against it, and the, and, the, and, and the waters rise around it, and the rain just relentlessly hits the house. For some of you, maybe more than other of you, that you, you're like, man, I know what that feels like. And Jesus says, hey, everything that I've taught, that, you know, I mean, even just what we talked about this morning, the narrow gate, you know, the, the, the people you choose to listen to, the, the teachers that you choose to follow, the advice that you choose to take, that, you know, whether or, not, whether or not you obediently listen and have a heartfelt response to my words and live it out in your life. He says, like, if you choose to do those things, what you will find is it's like your house has been built upon a rock. And when the storms of life come, when, when you have that day where you're like, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. When you have that situation, you don't see a way out of it. Jesus said, when that storm comes, because it's coming, <laughs> it's not if it comes, it's when it comes. When it comes, you will find that your house is steady, immovable. But actually, as I was just finishing preparing uh, yesterday, I just had this strong sense that actually it was the opposite that felt like the reality for some, some of you in the room right now. These words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I had a strong sense that I was supposed to address this. Because for some of you in the room, it feels like the crash is really raw. You can still hear it. For some of you in the room, it, it feels like the crash is real and I'm on my knees. It's all fallen down. Everything I built. And actually, it feels like every time there's a gust of wind, every time the, the rain starts to come again, I just feel like, man, it's all going to just keep falling. I'm never going to be able to build anything ever again. I don't know who that's for, but I just had a strong sense that Jesus just wanted to tell you again that he loves you. 
And the reason that he's walked you through this, the reason that the Sermon on the Mount is such, full of such love towards us is because Jesus says, hey, I don't want you to crash. I don't want you to fall. I don't want your house to collapse. I don't want you to go through that. And he's inviting you this morning to say, hey, child of God, build your house upon my teaching. Build your house upon me and let me help you. Let me help you. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want to go through that. Every time that I go through something in my life, I don't want to feel like, oh, this could, I'm like holding on to the walls. Like, Jesus, help me keep this thing together. And he's like, you built it in the wrong place. I told you to build it here. And when you're walking down the wide road and you're carrying all of your stuff and the storm comes and you've built your house and you're trying to protect everything that you're holding on to and Jesus is saying, hey, like, leave that stuff behind. Go through the narrow gate. Build upon the rock. Don't listen to those with bad fruit. Be a good listener. Hear my word. And build your life upon it. Man, I don't know about you, but like, I, I want to be surrounded by believers, by a family. I want to be surrounded by people who just, we built our house upon the rock. We know the word of God. And we're not moving from the rock because this thing is steady. This thing is sound. That stuff will crumble down. And I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm not going to go down the wide road. I'm not going to change my position because Jesus, you taught me that yes, it's hard. Yes, it's narrow. Yes, few will find it. But I'm going to, I'm going to choose this. I'm going to build my house upon the rock. Jesus is the rock. Psalm 62 verse 2 says, He alone is my rock and salvation. He is my fortress where I will never be shaken. You never want to be shaken by life. Build your house upon the rock, upon the fortress. He is your rock, your salvation. Everything must be built on him. Amen.